Good morning, church family. Let's stand to our feet. Let's praise Jesus. Yeah. 
God of my prayer 
may be seated this morning. Man, as we consider the faithfulness of our Lord and Savior. You know, scriptures remind us that Jesus commanded, he asked us that we would regularly and routinely remember and reflect on his sacrifice on our behalf. And one of the ways that he invites us to do that, to remember and reflect and to do often is partake in the Lord's Supper. And so this morning, in just a few minutes, we're going to partake. Um, you should have received some elements when you came in of the Lord's Supper. If you didn't, just please slip your hand up and our deacons will come by and make sure you get those elements. Uh, if you need those elements, just raise your hand. Uh, for those of you who received the elements, if you'll just go ahead in, in preparation, if you'll take that first seal off that reveals the bread there and the, the wafer. As we prepare in just a little bit to partake, the scriptures are clear that to partake in the Lord's Supper, that the only requirement is that we be a born-again believer, that we have put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior and to fully take part and remember his sacrifice, that we must at first taste the forgiveness that he has offered us. So that, this morning, if that is you, if you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to partake. And if that's not you this morning, I ask for you just to respectively uh, pass partaking this morning. Because we want to look and consider the fullness of what Christ has done for us. And uh, in just a moment, we're going to take just a moment to prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper. But as we do, I'm reminded of the scriptures that says that he made him to be sin who knew no sin we might become the righteousness of God. We take just a second, close your eyes, bow your heads, consider what Jesus did on your behalf of the cross. Let's pray. Jesus, we're grateful for your body that was broken on our behalf. Lord, we know that we, we did not deserve it. You willingly went to the cross and sacrificed yourself. So today we say we remember, we reflect, Lord Jesus, and we give thanks for your sacrifice, for your body that was beaten and broken on our behalf. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. So do this. say in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood as often as you drink it do so in remembrance of me let's pray Lord Jesus we thank you for your blood that was shed on our behalf we know that as scripture says that there can be no remission or forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood and you were the sacrificial one you are the one who gave everything, your all for our sake, so that we might know the forgiveness of our sins. Lord Jesus, you are without sin, but you took on our sin. 
so that this beautiful exchange would happen, that we would take your righteousness in exchange for our brokenness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood that was shed on our behalf. Today we rejoice, give thanks, and we remember all that you did for us. It's in Christ's holy name that we pray. As often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you shall proclaim the Lord's death until he shall one day return again. Amen. God bless you, church. Let's stand again as we continue to worship this morning. Let's give thanks to God for all that he has done. Amen.
Amen.
Jesus, hear your people sing this place this morning, God. Hear your people sing. Hear your people worship you, Lord God. We're here for you today. Our presence and act of worship, our song with gratitude, with joy, God, we give it to you. Lord, thankful for all that you have done, for your blood that was shed on the cross for the atonement of our sins. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. Come on, let's give Jesus glory with our hands. Let's applaud him. Before you sit down this morning, turn and say hi to somebody. Welcome to the house. first time here, a very special welcome to you. We would love to meet you. We have a gift for you at the welcome desk and invite you to stop by and to meet us. Also, for all of the information you could ever want to know from ministries that are happening here, connecting with us, asking for prayer requests, as well as finding out the different ways to give financially to the church, there is a QR code on the screen. Do not be ashamed to take your phone out capture that QR code and it will take you to a link that will um, give you more details about the few things that I'm getting ready to share with you. As you can tell, tomorrow is a great day in the life of Anastasia Church. We have over 455 children registered to attend Vacation Bible School. Over 155 adult volunteers and 65 youth volunteers. That is amazing. And if any of you out here were part of the design team, painting, using a hot knife to create all of these wonderful stage props, would you stand? Anyone in this service that helped to do that? Okay. I know there's someone in here who is volunteering tomorrow. If you are volunteering tomorrow, would you stand so that we can say thank you? Amazing. We are so grateful for the gift of your time. We even have dads and moms that take a week of vacation to serve in Vacation Bible School. What a gift that is. 
We ask that you pray for us this week, that God will show us how to minister to the hundreds of children coming our way. For many of them, this will be their first church experience. And for many of them, this will be their first encounter with Jesus. We do not take that opportunity lightly, and we covet your prayers for God's direction and God's blessing over this week. There are several things coming up in the life of our church other than Vacation Bible School. Um, we have a grief share ministry that started last Wednesday evening and meets every Wednesday evening for 6 p.m. It's a place for you to have relationships, get to know other people that are seeking comfort as they journey through the experience of losing a loved one. That is on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Also, Saturday the 17th, our Anastasia Student Ministry is going to take a trip to see the Jumbo Shrimp baseball game. That information is also something you can find when you scan the QR code. And then beginning the week of June the 12th, our men's ministry is starting a new devotion series geared just for men, and they will meet on Wednesday evenings at 6, and there's a devotion book for this event that you can pick up in the atrium on your way out. We want to thank you for, as a church, for your generosity and how you so graciously give of your time and your tithes and your offerings. What's about to happen this week could not happen without you. And what's happening behind us construction-wise could not happen without you, as well as the many other ministries that Anastasia is involved in. So I thank you for blessing God with those gifts of your tithes and offerings. Would you join me as we pray? Father God, we are grateful for the freedom to worship. God, we are grateful for a church that values family and children. God, we thank you for the many, many people that will be on campus this week, Lord. May we be your light. May we be Jesus with skin on to them, Lord. May lives be changed for eternity. May children share the joy with their parents that they learn about following Jesus. God, I thank you for every volunteer that is giving up their time this week, Lord. May they too be blessed by serving you. May all that we do throughout the week be a witness to the fact that you are part of our lives, and may we be a witness to your unconditional love. We thank you for your grace, your forgiveness, your death on the cross, the promise of eternity, Lord. We love you. We ask all of these things in your name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. I'm going to ask you to do something very hard. I know as you look at this stage, you're reliving your childhood right now, okay? I want you to focus in for just a few minutes. Um, we are so excited about Vacation Bible School. As you heard Tamara say, this is our highest number of kids that we have ever had. And so we are just looking forward to how God is going to use this week and ask you to pray for, think about, drink an extra cup of coffee for our volunteers this week, um, as it's going to be an exciting, exciting week. And we know that the Lord is going to move. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning we're starting a new series and we're going to be looking at short books of the Bible and uh, kind of talking through them. And so this morning I have the privilege of walking us through the book of 2 John and it's a real easy read. Uh, you could do it in uh, probably 10 minutes, right? There's just a few verses there. But 2 John deals with our response. It deals with our response to the world uh, when the world chooses not to pursue Christ to maybe even go against Christ, as we talk about false teachers, it tells us how we should respond. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but I would say to begin with, our response in life to people, to situations that we face, matters to God. How we respond 
to life, circumstances, and things that happen in our life matters to God. And I would say that sometimes, if we're not careful, we can over-respond or we can under-respond, right? (laughs) I think about situations in my life where uh, sometimes I over-responded because I wasn't uh, in taking moment to center myself. But just just for the sake of illustration, I want to talk a little bit about over-responding, under-responding, right? Imagine, this is, this is a made-up story, okay? So don't, just, just take a minute to breathe, okay? Imagine you're in your home. It's a Friday night. You're in the living room. You're just hanging out. And you know, you get that Friday night, I need a snack, you know? And so you make your way over to the kitchen. As you make your way into the kitchen, to your disarray, the kitchen is on fire. Oh, my gosh. The kitchen is on fire. The flames are consuming the house. Uh, you're really worried that if, if you don't call somebody very quickly and get first responders there, your house is going to be consumed, right? So you call 911, you talk to the dispatch, and, and you say, dispatch, hey, listen, my house is on fire. I need you to send, you know, in the panic, you, I need you to send the whole fire department right now. <laughs> you need to put this fire out in my house. And uh, dispatch says, well, hey, we, we've got your call. We're, we're going to work on getting somebody out there to you. And, and they respond, well, hey, I want you to know everything's going to be okay. We're sending one firefighter with a small fire extinguisher to come put that fire out in your house. You're like, wait a second. <laughs> That's an under response, right? I need more response out of that, right? Again, I would say our responses matter. Another situation, again, this is made up, maybe. <laughs> you're in the grocery store and you're getting ready to check out. You've got 12 items in your basket. You know where this is going, right? You're thinking, ah, it's slow in here. I'm going to go through the 10 items or less. I know you live as a rebel. Nobody's ever done that before, right? So you're going through the line. You're checking out. You're meeting the cashier. She's scanning your products. And then she very frankly tells you, sir, <laughs> you have 12 items in the 10 items or less lane. This is unacceptable. She then gets on the loudspeaker. I need a manager on aisle two. We have a person with 12 items in the 10 items or less lane, right? The manager comes, say, hey, this is completely unacceptable. We want you to put all your items back and you are therefore banned from ever coming back to this grocery store ever again, right? Is that an under response or an over response? (laughs) Some of you are like, it's an under response, right? I would say your response, your reaction matters. How we respond matters. And I would say, in fact, Much of Jesus' teaching got at the root of our response to life and people. See, Jesus wanted to change our heart so that as we responded to circumstances in life, as we responded to people in life, that we would respond in a way that brought honor and glory to the Father. How do we know this? I mean, we can go back through Jesus talking about how to deal with people who are, you're struggling to forgive, right? Peter asked him, how many times should I forgive them? He says seven times 70, right? He's getting at our response to people who we struggle to forgive. How about our enemies? Now, Jesus asked, how, we, how do we respond to our enemies? Love and pray for your enemies. That's a response, right? Jesus is trying to change our hearts so that we respond different. How, how should we respond to children? We shouldn't do anything to hinder them to coming to the Father, How should we uh, treat widows or orphans? We should care for them as a church. See, Jesus wants to get a hold of our heart so that he changes us from the inside out so that when we face life and people, we respond differently. Because as a church, we're called to be what? Set apart. And so this morning, as we look at 2 John, that's kind of what he's dealing with. But what he's dealing with is he's talking about our response to false teachers and a culture who are choosing ungodliness 
and therefore choosing ungodly morals, right? So that's what he's going to talk about. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 John. There's only one chapter, and we're going to start in verse 1 and read to verse 11. And if you can this morning, I'd ask you to please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. It says in verse 1, The elder to the elect lady and to her children whom I love in truth, and not only but I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace with, will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and in love. Verse 4, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, Dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one that we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in his teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked ways. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. See, the writer here, presumably thought to be John, discusses with the church this idea of false teachers and false ideas. And so uh, we see in, in the passage that he, uh, he says that he is writing to a lady. Some, some scholars understand this to be a physical lady within the church and you know, that she would have children who she was mentoring, who she was caring for. Uh, some understand that this lady is a representation of the church. Either way, I would say the interpretation is very simple. To be careful, to be watchful in uh, their doctrine, in their beliefs, to not let false teachers lead them astray. You know, I think it's interesting that we're, we're talking through this passage of Scripture, and it's something that they dealt with many, many, many years ago. Yet here today, this is something we are facing today. I would say just in the last few months, just in the last few weeks, we have seen so many, uh, and not to go on a rabbit trail here, but there we've been seeing uh, so many different large corporations or organizations, and they have been going against directly what we stand for and what we believe as Christ followers. And they've been going against our morals and our values and what we teach and what we hold to be important, the truth of who Christ is. And so this is something not only that we're dealing with today, but this is something that was dealt with long ago. But here we are today. And, and again, what's interesting is that we planned these sermons out a year ago. <laughs> but I couldn't think of a more fitting scripture for us to be talking about today. How do we respond to a culture and a world that is going against what we believe and what we stand for in Christ Jesus? So this is the scripture. And this is the biblical wisdom that he gives. How should we respond? I think it's important that, that uh, some, some elements are talked about here. There's, there's those who are believers in Christ. There are those who are lost, who do not know the saving grace of Christ. And then there are those who are false teachers, who are standing in opposition to the person and the teachings of Christ Jesus. And that's what he's dealing with here. 
But 1 John, I think, gives us insight on how to respond to a world that rejects Christ and thus his teachings. And so if you're taking notes this morning, biblical strategies for responding to an ungodly culture. The first thing that we need to do, and the first thing I think uh, the writer, presumably John again, gives us here is that we need to center ourselves in the gospel. Center yourself on the gospel. Verse two, one of the first things that he says, right? Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. He goes on to say, walk in this truth. Center yourself in the truth. In other words, our first response to living in a world and a culture that is standing in opposition of Christ is that we need to make sure that we walk in the center of God's will and his teaching in our lives. The writer makes the point that the truth abides in us. Man, hallelujah. That as Christ followers, we don't need to search long and hard for the truth. That if we're in Christ followers, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit lives and breathes within us, guiding us and giving us discernment and helping us know how we are to respond to the world and situations around us. Amen? Hallelujah. The gospel resides in it. The teaching of Christ and the gospel truths are within us if we are a follower of Christ. We need to stay in with the teaching and the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'll say it like this. Uh, Many of you don't know this, but there are three lines on the road out there. Most roads, right? There are three yellow lines. There's one on your right, one in the middle, and one on the left, depending on which side of your road are. Well, you're supposed to stay with your car in two of those lines. I know this is new information for some of y'all. Stay in those two yellow lines. It's important, right? I see some people swerve around those lines or get out of their lane. This is not healthy, okay? Those lines are there to help keep you safe and to guide you on on your journey and on your way. The gospel is for us those lines in life. The gospel guides us. It leads us into the path that we are to go. Don't veer outside those lines. Stay centered in the truth of the gospel. You know, I I, I think that it's easy when we're combated with a world that is against us. It's easy to allow our emotion to allow our response to be dictated by that emotion, but our first response is not to post, it's not to be angry, it's not to be mad. Our first response is to center ourselves in the gospel. My point is this. Let us not inform what the gospel should say and how we should say it. Let the gospel inform us on what we should say and how we should say it. You hear that? Let us not inform the gospel what it should say or how we should say it. Let the gospel inform us on what we should say and how we should say it. These are the words of life, not Sam's words. The words of scripture are the words of life. Let that be the parameter that guides our every life. James 1.19 goes fitting into this. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Be guided by the truth of the gospel. Second thing is when we center on ourselves in the gospel, he, the writer says this, let your response be love. But the one we have heard from the beginning, 
that we love one another. In other words, the writer goes back and says, you've heard these commandments over and over again. You know, from the beginning of time, Jesus reiterated them. He told them over and over again that we are to walk in love. That our response is to be loving the world and those around us. Uh, again, I think there, there needs to be a fine line here that, that we need to love as Christ has loved the world but we do not need to be of the world. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that later. But you know, it's interesting, the all intents and purposes, Second John is, is directed at uh, helping us understand our response to culture that goes against God, Antichrist, those who would stand in opposition of Christ. But you know, what he spends a lot of time writing about is our response. And, and I think what is challenging is that oftentimes when we're faced with difficult people, different people who oppose what we believe and trust in the faith, it turns us off from loving the world around us, those who are lost, right? And he's saying, don't stop loving, continue to walk in love. But also there's a point in understanding that love, when we love one another as Christ has loved us, it helps protect the body of believers, right? Let me, let me explain that a little bit. If you love your children, if you love them and you want to bring them up in a way that honors the Lord, you filter what is brought into your home. You filter what they watch, what they see, what they hear, right? It's because you love them that you put protection around them. It's the same in the body of Christ. If we love one another, we will help protect, oversee, encourage and pray for the body of believers. In other words, he's saying, don't give up on loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't give up loving those who are lost and need to hear the hope of the gospel. Why should we respond in love? Why should we respond? Why should we love a broken and lost world? Why should we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? First is that Jesus commanded it. It says right here in the scripture, you have heard this commandment from the beginning. Walk in this love. Uh, we need to walk in the love that Christ has commanded us to. But also I would say it's for Christ's namesake. Do you know that you and I are ambassadors for Christ? We are his representation on this earth. For so many kids who are gonna to come to Vacation Bible School, as we, we, we often tell them that we may be the only opportunity these kids get to hear and to see the feet and hands of Jesus. You are that representation. And so it's thus important that you represent his namesake to the best of your ability. See, when I'm not loving others well, when I'm not pursuing others and showing them the love of Christ, what happens is I represent Christ when I don't represent him well, I hurt his namesake. And the outside world sees me and me not loving well. They say, we don't want anything to do with that Christ. We don't want to do anything with that God. If, if he's a representation of the God that he serves, then I, I don't want to be a part of that. We represent his namesake. And so what he's saying here is continue to walk in love. The world should see us and we should stand out to the world. Not because, of our, not because of what we have or the things that we say, we, because of our love, we should stand out to the world. The world should look at us and see there is something different about that person because of the way that they love. John's saying, don't give up on loving. 
Because when false teachers come, when we are opposed in so many ways, it can be overwhelming. It can be discouraging. But he's saying, don't forget. Don't forget the commandment that Jesus has given us. Walk in love. Last thing and to this point, why should we walk in love? Why should we respond in love? Love is what draws others unto Christ. Scriptures say that the world should know that we are Christians by what? By our love. By how we love. Third thing that you can write down is keep watch over your witness in your theology. Keep watch over your witness in your theology. He says, watch yourself so that you may not lose that which we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Do you know that as we walk in our faith, in the world that we live in, it is difficult. <laughs> it is difficult to say the least. You know, I, I, I think about when we think that we as Christ bearers are light bearers. We share the light. And even Jesus called us to, to go out and to share the light in what? The darkness, correct, right? And so what that means for us is that we live bearers of the light, but we live in a darkened, broken world, right? And it's difficult. I don't know if you've ever tried to walk outside without lights, right? It's hard. The other day I was walking out there taking the trash out, minding my own business. I didn't have a light. I didn't have any lights on outside thinking I knew the path well, and what I didn't think about is the hose being in the middle of the ground. I tripped and laid sprawled out on the ground, right? It's the same can be true in our lives. We live in a darkened world. And if we're not careful about each step that we take, if we're not careful to look at our ways, our thoughts, our witness, what's gonna happen? This darkened and broken world can trip us we need to be paying attention to our witness in theology. Colossians chapter two says this, verse eight, therefore, as you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught, uh, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you by captive, by philosophy with empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world and not according to Christ. Be careful, be watchful. We live in a darkened world, and so we must be careful with our every footstep to look to Christ, to allow him to illuminate our path. You know, as I see a lot of people getting caught up and broken in their theology, what happens is they get influenced in the wrong ways. And here's how I see a lot of people getting trouble. One way is that uh, they want to fit in, right? <laughs> Can I tell you, it'll always be easier to go with the current of culture than it is to go against it. It's always going to be easier but that's not what Christ called us to do. He called us to be different. It's easy to get in trouble when our thought, theology is for, informed by others rather than influenced by others. You know, our, our theology, our understanding of the word should come directly from the word of God. We need to be diligent about spending time in the word. Too often, we're relying on somebody else's commentary, somebody else's teaching to inform our theology. Allow your theology to be influenced, to be guided by those around you, but let it be informed by the holy scriptures of God. Let it be informed. And also, oftentimes, we want the easy way out. We want our understanding of the word of God. We want our theology to come quick and easy and fast and convenient, right? You know, we can go anywhere. We can go get lunch right after here quickly in a timely manner. You could have your lunch in five minutes. 
You could go pick up your groceries within a short amount of time. Like everything is easy and convenient. Getting rooted and established in God's word takes time. Spend your time in the word of God. Watch your witness in theology. And we live in a time where culture is deceptive. We see agendas and narratives behind companies and entertainment to push false teaching into our lives, into our kids' lives. And the tactic they often use is to normalize it. We're standing in the word of God. We need to stand for him and for what he has taught us, for what he has given us into his word. Our response should be spending more time discerning God's will and desire for our lives. Fourth thing that you can write down, and this is, this is a challenging one. Distance yourself from those who spread false teachings. Distance yourself. Scripture is very clear. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked ways. Again, these are not those who are lost without faith. These are those who stand in opposition of the gospel. Scripture is pretty clear that we are to not identify, not to take part, not to support in any way, shape, or form those who are false teachers. Scripture states that we're not to receive, that we're not to greet, that we're not to support. That we are to stand for Christ and Christ alone. I get that in the time that we're living in, that is difficult. There's so many around us who oppose us, who oppose the teachings of Christ, but we have to be firm in standing for what matters and what Christ has held us to stand on, the word of God. We must stand on it. Practically speaking, false teachers are pushing false doctrine, false morals, and they're doing whatever they can to keep us from falling, or they're doing whatever they can to get us to fall. And we need to stand firm in Christ. We need to stand firm in our mission that God has given us. You know, I heard an old story about this a long time ago, and it was about a story of a father and his two sons. And the older son and the father were sitting on the front porch of the house. And if you grew up in the country, you could probably appreciate this. I grew up in the sticks. And the younger brother was off in the field, and he was just playing in a mud hole. I mean, he was just covered head to toe in mud. I mean, there was not a part of his body that did not have mud on it. And he was just having a grand old time, right? And the father said to the older son, all right, son, I want you to go get your little brother out of the mud, and I want you to get him cleaned up, okay? So the older brother said, okay, all right. So the father saw the older son walking out to the field where the big mud hole was and, and uh, thought it was taken care of. Well, some time went by, and he didn't see either of his sons, and about 45 minutes came by, and, and uh, then his younger son and his older son came up to the porch, and both of them were covered in head to toe with mud. Dad said to the older son, what are you doing? I told you to go get your brother out of the mud and clean him up, not get in the mud with him. He says, sorry, dad, I just couldn't help myself. (laughs) You know, Jesus has sent us into the world to rescue those who are broken and lost. He didn't send us to become like the world. He sent us to be set apart from the world. Let's not forget our mission. Jesus said this, John 17, 15 through 19, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. 
They are not of this world just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Brothers and sisters, we are sent into the world. Not to be of the world, but to be a set-apart people with a mission and the task of sharing the life-changing truth and gospel of Jesus with the world around us. Don't forget your calling. Don't forget your mission. My prayer is that we face a culture and a time in our life which more and more we are seeing people and organizations standing against what we believe. Pray that we would remind ourselves of our calling to be a set-apart people. What sets us apart from the world is the truth that resides within us through the Holy Spirit. That what sets us apart from the world is how we love one another and we love those who need to hear the gospel. Difficult days lie ahead of us. Challenging days lie ahead of us. But Jesus said, in this life, you trouble but he said take heart for I have overcome the world hallelujah we have a savior that has overcome the world and hallelujah because he has overcome the world we too can have the victory over this world let's pray this morning Lord Jesus we love you God we give you glory and praise this morning Lord, we know that it is difficult. It's challenging, Lord, to live in the world that we're in. Lord, we pray for our kids. We pray for our youth that are, are God, bombarded on every side. But God, may you use us, God, not to be of the world, but to be set apart as you have called us. Sanctify us in your truth. May the world see the way that we love and when they see how they, we love, Lord, may that be our response. May it spark for them to see you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can know true love by how you sacrifice for our behalf. So, Lord, as we have a time of invitation, Lord, may this be a time where we remember the calling that you have given us. May it be a time we remember the mission that you have given us. May, Lord Jesus, you guide and direct us so that we may be a set-apart people, Lord. God, give us strength to overcome the world as you have overcome it. It's in Christ's mighty name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Let's worship. If you're here this morning and you need to respond to the way the Lord's moving in your life, you come this morning. You respond to how he's leading. There's counselors here. We'd be happy to pray for you. Come. Let's, let's worship. How I long to breathe the air of heaven If pain is gone and mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who bled to save me And walk with him for all eternity Bow before Him. There will be 
Stand beside 